Good morning. I'll be reading from 1 Samuel 20, 1 through 4. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged you, father, your father, that he is trying to kill me? Never, Jonathan replied, you are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. Thank you, Brian. What a friend. Whatever you want me to do, I will do for you. That is a friend. David, if you're listening closely to kind of what's going on in the story as he's, as he's speaking, as you're reading this, you can hear the panic in his voice. David is stressed out. He is freaked out by what he is, he is going through. We've never seen David like this before. I mean, he's cool and calm under pressure. He faces giants and he's cool and calm. But here, He's had six attempts on his life by King Saul in the last two chapters, and he is under a great amount of stress, but he's got this great friend, his best friend, Jonathan. And as you read the story, you might think, oh my goodness, just a few chapters ago, he defeated Goliath and, you know, how much time is spanned in between. Well, there's been a, quite a few years. Like, he didn't become a general in King Saul's army overnight. So there's been a, a number of years, maybe as much as a decade that has elapsed since the Goliath situation and where we see him here today. So he had a lot of time to get to know Jonathan. And he and Jonathan are just really, really great friends. But nobody has more to lose if David remains alive than his best friend Jonathan. Jonathan benefits the most out of every single person if David is killed. And so here we see Jonathan saying, I'll do whatever you need me to do for you. He is a very, very loyal friend to David, even though David is stressed. So here they come up with this plan. How are they going to flush out what the real intentions of King Saul, which is Jonathan's dad, how are they going to figure out what it is? So they come up with this big plan. The plan is this. There's going to be a big feast. That's the first thing you know. It's going to be a big feast. And David should be at that feast. And Jonathan will be at that feast. And King Saul and every, all the army officials and all the important people of Israel, they're all going to be at the feast. And so on the first day, David's not going to be there. And King Saul will probably overlook that because there's a lot of reasons why he might not be there the first day. But the second day, if he's not to show up on the second day of the feast, that's going to be a big deal. So just as they planned out, David, uh, David doesn't show up at the first day of the feast. And Jonathan's there, and King Saul's there, and King Saul overlooks it. But on the second day of the feast, David is not there. And so King Saul asks his son Jonathan, where is David? And Jonathan says, well, he really wanted to go to a family festival back in his town, hometown of Bethlehem. And so I said, go ahead and go. And so King Saul loses it. And David knew this. He knew that if King Saul would lose it over that situation, there would be his true intentions to kill him. And he loses and he yells and he screams. He insults his own son, Jonathan. He said, you son of a rebellious and perverse woman. Now, the Hebrew says it a whole lot sharper than what I said. The English version really cleans it up, all right? So he talks about his mother. You know how when we really want to insult somebody, we talk about their mother? Who, who remembers that from school? Talking about people's mother. I, I, I can remember, I don't know what, we would insult people and say, your mother wears combat boots. Oh, I don't know why we would say, what is with the combat? But I remember that distinct. As a kid, we taught people's mother wearing combat boots. Somehow that was supposed to be a great insult. Well, what King Saul does here is far worse. 
far worse. He insults his son. And why is he doing that? Because he's trying to get him to crack. He's trying to get him to crack. He says, insults his mother, and then says, you're going to lose the kingdom. And he just really pours it on as you read chapter 20 of 1 Samuel. He pours it on. And you know what? Jonathan doesn't crack. Jonathan is a loyal friend, even though he has so much to lose. Are you a loyal friend like that? Do you have a loyal friend like that who would stand up under all of that pressure? Do you know anybody who would be that loyal to you? Do you have somebody that you would be that loyal to? Today we're going to talk about the importance of life-changing relationships and how important they are to our lives. This is what we want to see and what I'd like you to write down on the back of your outline is this. Friendships aren't just helpful. They're helpful. They are very helpful, but they aren't just helpful. What we'll see today is that they're absolutely vital. They're vital. We have to have them. In order for us to live these full throttle lives that God intended us to live, we have to have friendships. And God says that very clearly. And we have a perfect example here with David and Jonathan. What would David have done differently without a friend like Jonathan? Would he have given up? Think about this, everybody. Biblical history, world history would have been changed without a friend. Do you realize that we have more on David than any other single figure of ancient history? I'm not talking about biblical history. I'm talking about world history, ancient world history. There is more written about this guy, King David, than any other single character that we have. So it doesn't matter if you believe the Bible or you don't. People study David because he, we have volumes about David more than anyone else. And think about if he didn't have a friend, would he have gone back to his sheep? Would he have tried to kill King Saul? Would he have just given up? But he had a friend who was loyal to him and who protected him and who encouraged him and how history has been altered because of a friend. It's really quite powerful. We gave you these magnets. And I remember a few weeks ago, and I think we still have some out at the welcome table, should get one. It's very important information that we put on here. Right at the top, we have our mission statement. What's well, in the gold banner in here, if you look on it, it says, we want to help to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to help to lead. That's what we're trying to do here, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that relationship, that friendship with Jesus is powerful in its life altering. And there's things that we need to do it. So we have four catalysts underneath of it. Relevant teaching, spiritual practices, faith-building service, and life-changing relationships. And today I really want to focus on life-changing relationships because we cannot grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ, have our lives altered, have our lives changed, change the history of our own lives without friendships. We need friendships. And sometimes we think, well, I can make it on my own. But in God's opinion, friendships aren't just helpful. They are absolutely vital. Vital. Think about this. Think about this for a second. Adam is in the garden. He's in the garden, paradise, where he has, ready for this, a perfect relationship with God. There's been no breaking of his friendship with God. There's no been breaking of his relationship. He has a perfect relationship with God, number one. Perfect relationship with God. Number two, he has perfect health. His perfect health. Number three, he has perfect provision. Things don't get any better than that. And when he has a perfect relationship with God, and he has perfect health, and he has perfect, he has perfect provision, God says, it is not good. 
It's not good. This is how important friendship is. God says, Adam needs a friend. Do you need a friend? Are you trying to live a full throttle life? Are you trying to live this life that God has intended for you to live and you're falling short because you don't have a loyal friend like David? You have to have loyal friends. Jesus had 12 friends. It's an example for us that we need to seek out friends, loyal friends, and we need to be that friend to other people. And we see that God says, in God's opinion, David, David needed a friend. Adam needs a friend here. You ever heard somebody say that, you know, God and you is a majority? You know, God and you is a majority. Or somebody might say, all I need is Jesus. Well, in God's opinion, that's not completely true. Because God looks at Adam and says, even though he has me, he has me, has a perfect relationship with me, and he has perfect provision and perfect health, even though he has all these incredible things, and he is in paradise, and he is in paradise, he says, it's not good. He's missing something. He's missing a friendship. According to God, we cannot live the life God intended us to live without friends. Think about the Trinity. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a divine community, a divine friendship. That's our example. Christianity is the only religion in the world that believes in a trinity. And therefore, the very essence, everybody, of Christianity is based on friendship. It's based on relationship. It's the basis of Christianity, a divine community, a divine friendship that God wants for us to have in our own lives. We simply cannot live full throttle lives unless we have those kind of relations, unless we have Jonathans in our life. We have to have Jonathans in our life, people that we are loyal to and who are loyal to us. Are you praying about that? Are you seeking that in your own life? Do you understand the importance of it in Scripture that we would have that? I pray, and I've asked the, the staff to pray about this all this week too, that grace would be a place that would be fertile ground for people to make friendships like that, those Jonathan-type friendships, that this would be a place and our community groups would be a place where people could make those kind of friendships that alter the course of our lives. It's really, really important in God's point of view. Do you have friends? All right. How many Facebook friends do you have? All right. Why don't you take your bulletin out and just write the number down there? You put it, get a pen, write it down. Just go ahead, take a second, do that. How many Facebook friends do you have? And then next to it, write down what do you think the average number of Facebook friends that a person has? Who is your age, right? So how many, how many Facebook friends do you have? And then what do you think the average number of Facebook friends are? And to get a little interaction here, does anybody here have as many as 500 Facebook friends. Does anybody, who will put their hand? Okay, I see them. Hands all, people getting saved all over the house. All right. How many Facebook? Five, 600, 600. Anybody 600? Facebook? Anybody hands up? Can't see. Nobody 600? I see a couple. couple hands. Where? Where? Out there. 700, 800, 1,000, 2,000, 2,000. Is, is there a hand up in the house? Somebody has 2,000 Facebook friends? Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay, everybody needs to get to know who is it? Is it white sweat? Okay, why don't you stand up? We all want to become your friend. There he is. There he is. That's who we need to become friends with right there. That's a major networking situation up there. Here's the average. If you're between the ages of 18 and 24, you have on average 510 Facebook friends. So let's see, you know, I don't know what number you wrote down that you have for yourself, but... Uh, 510 if you're between that age. 25 to 34. So if you're 25 to 34, your average number is 325. How are you doing? 
If you are 25 to 34, you, if you're average and you don't want to be at, you're a Washingtonian, you're not average, right? Right. So you got to have more than 325. So get working if you're below that number. If you're 35 to 44, 209. 209 is the number you've got to get past. And finally, if you're 45 to 54, you've got to get 183 Facebook friends. I've got a long way to go. I've got a lot of work ahead of me because I can't be average. So how are you doing with your Facebook friends? How are you doing with friends? Now, think about this. I asked you to write down the number, how many friends you have. Now, I want you to think about this. How many Jonathan-type friends do you have? How many close friends do you have? Like if I asked you to write down the names of your really close friends, friends that are like Jonathan, Jonathan friends, who even though the whole world was stacked up against them, right, as long as you keep living, right, you, you, you pose the greatest threat to them. They have the most to lose by being a, they have the most to lose by being a friend with you, and yet they don't crack. They stay loyal, all right? How many people do you have like that in your life? How many people do you have loyal, and how many people are you loyal to in that way in your life? Think about this, about friendship and how it's difficult. You know, people say it's becoming much more difficult to have really close friends today. Now think about this. Modern technology has affected our relationships and our friendships. It started all the way back a number of years ago. Air conditioning. Do you realize that air conditioning greatly impacted friendships in the United States of America? What did people used to do when it was really hot out? What did people, anybody, can any, is anybody that old or seen an old movie about what people used to do when it was hot outside? Right, what, what would you do? Where would you go? Front porch. And everybody would walk by and hey, and you get to know people and your friends. Now, now we go where? Inside of our caves. Inside of our caves and we're kind of cut off and disconnected from other people. Today, if you're a kid, I mean, when I was a kid, we went out and we played with other kids all day long. Parents had no idea where we were. We were running through sewers. We're all over the place on motorcycles. I was five years old when I got arrested my first time on Sunday morning riding a motorcycle. Policeman brought us back to the doors. True story, right? But that's what you did because you got around other kids and they influenced you in all kinds of ways. But what, what do kids do today? Video games, PlayStation, Xbox. Think about how that impacts us in our friendships. How about the telephone answering machine? Does anybody remember the old days when you actually had to answer the phone to figure out who was calling? Is anybody that old? Is anybody that old in this room that you had to actually answer the phone to figure out who was calling? And then we got answering machines. And that's how you screened your call. And you waited, you know, four, five, six rings they picked up. You got the greeting. And then they finally said, hey, this is so-and-so. And you pick, oh, yeah, I want to talk to you. And now we have caller ID, right? Now, text messaging. I want to talk about text messaging for just a second because I think text messaging has greatly impacted just the way we communicate to other people, right? Because text messages tend to be really quick and abrupt. And I don't know if they're developing. Like, my kids, they won't call anybody on the phone. I'll say, hey, why don't you call your friend and find out what's going on? No, I'll send them a text. Well, pick up the phone and call this texting. Pick up the phone. I don't want to call on the phone. I'm going to send a text. Texts are very, they're very brief. They're very short. And here's what happens when they do talk on the phone. This is what I've noticed. Because text messages are kind of abrupt and they're brief and short, I'll call and if I can get my kids to answer the phone at home, if I can get them to answer the phone, they pick it up and I'll say, hey, you know, Jonathan, Gracie, how's it going? You know, is your mom there? And they'll say no. Click. And they'll hang up on me. <laughs> It's like a text message. No, boom. I'm like, ah, you don't hang up. So I immediately call back. Hey, look, don't, don't hang up on me. Listen, do we need any milk? No. Bam, click. The end. 
And how about when you send the text message? I'll send, I'll send my daughter a text. I'll be typing out this long. How did everything go today at school? You know, is everything, I know you had a test. Was everything okay with the test? She had a basketball game. How'd the basketball game go? I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. I'm texting all this stuff. Here's a scripture verse for you to think about. Please tell me everything. And the text that comes back just says K, the letter K. That's it. There's nothing more than the letter K. You think about how this is affecting the world around us and communications and relationships and friendships. Very interesting what's going on in our world today. All right, I want to give you three things. I want to give you three things that I see in this friendship that what God wants for us in our friendships with other people. Three things from the story of David between chapters 18 to 20, uh, his relationship with John. The first thing is this. Friends see our future. Think about this. They see our future. True friends, loyal friends, Jonathan and David type friends, see into each other's lives, discern things. Think about this. First Samuel 18.4. Jonathan took off his robe. We've been talking about this. He takes off his royal robe. He's to be king. And he gave it to David. Why did he do that? Because he recognized, he discerned, he took the time to look closely enough at David's life and he realized God's calling and God's gift in his friend's life. He's to be the next king. I want to ask you something. Has somebody ever done that for you? Has a friend ever done that for you? Has a friend ever slowed their life down enough, discerned enough, looked at you enough, and they, they spoke to you one day and said, you know what, you know, friend so-and-so, I recognize this gift in you. I recognize this calling. I see this in you. And their words to you shaped your life. They're what they saw in you changed and altered your life. Jonathan repeatedly throughout this story keeps going back to David saying, you're going to be king. You're, and David, sometimes he's on the height, the height, and sometimes he's really low. And it doesn't matter high or low. Jonathan keeps coming back and says, you, my friend, are going to be king. My question to you is this. Have you ever done that for somebody? Have you ever taken the time? Has it meant that much to you? Have you prayed that much for your friend, your loyal friend? Have you prayed that much for your loyal friend that you looked at that loyal friend of yours and you just said, I have something I want to tell you. I see this in you. I see this gift. I see this calling. Have you ever done that? You know, there are people in this room who have done that for me. And I can tell you, it's made a difference in my life. Putting this message together this week, I've been thinking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And God just kind of prompted me early in this week, this past week, He says, you know what? You've got this friend. And you know you see this thing in your friend. And you need to go to him and you need to speak it, this gifting, this calling. You need to speak it to this person. I want to ask you, has anybody ever done that for you? This is what loyal Jonathan-type friends do. Have you ever done that? for somebody else. They see your future and you see theirs. You can see the gift. You can see the calling. Second thing is friends shape our future. They see our future and they shape our future. Jonathan type friends shape our future. Look what it says here. My father Saul, this is 1 Samuel 19. My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. If that's not shaping his future, I don't know what it is because without Jonathan, David is dead. So he's totally shaping his future. Go into a hiding place. Stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field. Check this out, what he does. Remember how I've been saying, Jesus Christ said on the road to Emmaus out after his resurrection of the dead, Jesus says to his couple of his disciples, everything in the Old Testament comes back to me. Jesus says that. So we see Jesus everywhere. 
are. You tell me where you see Jesus in this story. Think about this. He says, I will go out and stand by my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you. I will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king do wrong to a servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel. You saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. Now, we know that Saul goes back on that, but here's what I want you to think about. Do you know of anybody in the Scriptures where Jesus says, where Jesus says, I will do that for you? Where he says, I will intercede for you? So Jonathan has the most to lose. Jesus Christ has the most to lose by being a friend with you. You know why? Because he has to take off his royal robes, Philippians chapter 2. He has to come down to this earth and he has to hang and die on a cross. He has the most to lose. But Jesus says, I will be your loyal friend. I will be your loyal friend. And what we see here is Jonathan is shaping the life of David because of his loyalty to him. Now, friends, shape our future. Proverbs 13, 20 says these words, walk with the wise and become wise. There's your future. So there's a lot of people we can surround ourselves with in life as friends. Think about your friends and who you surround yourself with. Think about your past and who you surrounded yourself with and your past with your friends. What Proverbs is saying is, is if you hang out with really wise people, your future is wisdom. Psalms chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man, or blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. So there it is. You're blessed if you walk in step with people who are a positive influence on your life, on righteous people. You're going to become wise if you hang out with wise. So it's going to shape your future, the kind of friends that you surround yourself with. How often do you pray for the right kind of friends? Is that a priority in your life? Because we can't, we can't grow in our faith. We can't live that full throttle life that God intended us to live unless we have the right kind of friends around us. And I am 100% positive, convinced of this, that God wants to send you friends. He wants to send you the right friends. And I'm asking you this morning to pray about that, to make that a regular thing you pray for. We want you to grow your relationship with Jesus Christ. We want you to live full throttle lives here at Grace Community Church. And so in order to do that, we all have to begin to pray that God would lead us to Jonathan type friends and we would be Jonathans to other people. That has to become a priority in life. It shapes our future. It shapes our future in a major way. Okay, finally, third and final thing. Friends strengthen our future. This is the very last time that Jonathan and David see each other. So David is discouraged. He's on the run from King Saul. We're going to talk about this in the next few weeks because this is really in the dark days. And this is the final time that King David, before he's king, this is the final time that he sees Jonathan, his best friend. And we're told this, Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him do what? Find what? What does that word say there? Helped him find what? Strength. Do you have a friend that helps you find strength? Do you have that type of Jonathan friend who strengthens you, who helps you, who builds you up spiritually? Do you have friends that build you up spiritually or tear you down spiritually? Which ones do you have? Do you have friends that help you to become wise or do they take you in a different path? Which ones do you have? The book of Proverbs says... Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I have an example. Uh, I'm an ex- I am a uh, professional at this, so don't try this at home. Okay? So this looks nice, but it's really not anything at all. It's not sharp or anything like that. So uh, 
Iron sharpens iron. So this is the thing that we, we sharpen with, right? In order to get this to be sharp, there, have to, there has to be something that is abrasive. In order for this, and this is not effective at all, like I can run my finger over this all day long, Nate, nothing happened, and we're not cutting the thing. This is highly ineffective, right? But I could make it effective, but in order to make it effective, I have to just keep sharpening and sharpening, and that's abrasive. Do you have a friend that can speak to you? Like, speak to you, really speak to you. Like, hey, brother, hey, sister, you know, I see this, you know, in your life you might want to be. Or when a friend does that to you, do you unfriend them? <laughs> right? Yeah, I say, I say, okay, we're done. It's so easy to unfriend today. It's a click of a button, isn't it? So we kind of, ha- we pick up on that and we do that in life, don't we? It has to be abrasive. If I am going to live an effective life, the life that God wants me to live, I have to be willing to allow somebody to sharpen me. I have to allow somebody to speak to me without unfriending them, to listen. Do you have a friend like that? Are you a friend like that to anybody else that you're willing to do that with somebody? I'll put my toys, I'll put my toys away, right? Okay. Jonathan-type friends see our future, shape our future, and they strengthen our future. And what we want to pray for is not only to have Jonathan friends, this is what I want to challenge you with on that last fill in the blank, but to be a Jonathan. I know we're saying, you know what, I want a friend like that. I want a Jonathan. God, send me a Jonathan. And that's a wonderful thing to pray, and we should all pray that God would send us Jonathans into our lives. But I want you to think about this. Rather than just saying to be the consumer of the benefits of all that, can we think about something completely different this morning? Can we think about, you know what, who am I going to go out and be a Jonathan to? Who am I going to go out and begin to, to be loyal to? Who am I going to begin to pray for and discern and to see into their life and speak into their life? Who am I going to strengthen? Who am I going to help shape? Who am I going to be a Jonathan to? Rather than me just receiving. Look, here's what I believe. I believe if we'll go out and be a Jonathan and we pray for God to send us Jonathans, he'll take care of the sending. As long as we take care of the praying and the being, he will send the Jonathans in our lives. We cannot live the life that God wants us to live unless we have those friendships. So what I want to pray for here in conclusion, I just want to pray that all of us would find those Jonathans and that we would be those Jonathans and that grace and our community groups and everything we have would be fertile ground for that. And then we're going to have two people come up and share their testimony about what God has done in their life and how they have trusted Jesus Christ with their life, how they've become friends with Christ in their life and how God has changed their lives. And then we're going to have a baptism. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the incredible example that we have here this morning of a friendship. Lord, I'm asking very clearly. We know for us to have a growing relationship with you, Jesus, that we are going to need to have the right kind of friends around us. We need to have Jonathan-type friends. And God, what I'm asking for is that you would help each one of us to be a Jonathan. Not just to go out looking for Jonathans, but of course we would do that. But even more, we would seek to be a Jonathan. And Lord, that Grace Community Church would be a place where people could make life-changing friendships. It would be fertile ground, God, for people to find friends, those healthy friends that make that huge impact in our lives. Lord, let Grace Community Church, let our community groups be places of friendship, Lord, deep, loyal Jonathan type friendships for your honor and glory jesus we pray in your holy name amen amen
Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.